0: This week on Geek Explained, returning special guest Matt Draper joins me to pay tribute to Tim Sale as we put the Geek Explained spotlight on Superman Kryptonite. Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode pays tribute to Tim Sale, one of the greatest comic book artists to ever grace the page and. This week, we're going to be putting the Explained spotlight on Superman Kryptonite, his collaboration with Darwin Cook, another comic book legend who is sadly no longer with us. I was joined by Good Brother, friend of the podcast, and returning special guest Matt Draper, YouTube extraordinaire, King of Zilla style, all of the nicknames. We had a wonderful conversation, and I really hope you enjoyed as much as we enjoyed recording it. We also have, of course, this week's Comics Countdown, where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week, and there are quite a few, so stay tuned for that after the jump. But, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I and Matt Draper put the Geeksplains spotlight on Superman Kryptonite. Does it mean to be vulnerable when the world thinks you're untouchable? In 2008, writer Darwin Cook and artist Tim Sale decided to answer that question with an iconic and underrated Superman story, Superman Kryptonite. And now, here for this month's Geek Explained Spotlight, we are going to be putting a very close eye and looking back on. Just one of the best Superman comics I've ever read. It is absolutely up there with the seminal works of the character the all-stars the birthrights the for all seasons especially um this is a book that i am very excited to talk about and i'm even more excited about who i'm talking about it with because making his way back to the geek explained impact zone he is the king of zilla style he is the best video machine (laughs) He is, Keep going. of course, the man who doesn't just do comic videos. He does horror videos. He does Godzilla videos. He is the man who went 60 minutes with Owen Likes Comics in the Tokyo Dome. And I, as the invisible hand throughout his career, am pleased to bring back one of my favorite guests in the entire pantheon of guests we've had on the podcast. Weighing in at none of your business from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, by way of... Also North Carolina. Also North Carolina... Of North Carolina! And also of none of your business, it's Matt Draper.
1: What? Wait for it. Wait.
0: Can I wait for the beat to drop? Matt Draper's back on the show <laughs> welcome, man.
1: Thank you. thank you for having me sorry I, sorry about doing that again
0: no I, I think
1: I won't do it next time
0: maybe he's, he's, I think he said that last time. Too. <laughs> you are literally the only guest that has theme music, and I appreciate that about you it's 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 something that's indicative of your your persona your your character. It's all about the branding, the you know it's true it's all about
1: the game and how you play it and it's also <laughs> all about the branding. So, you know, you got to keep it up it, without my, without my brand. I'm just another person trying not to talk about comic books on the internet, but, uh, you it's know, true. sometimes failing.
0: Look, look for the uh, two hour retrospective on his YouTube channel of the Triple H reign of terror later this year.
1: Lose my mind about that. <laughs> How could you do this to RVD?
0: How could you do this to Booker T? Oh,
1: yeah. the, oh poor Booker. Four, four
0: Booker. so as you can already tell uh we are going to be giving you our obligatory pro wrestling minutes which is definitely oh, not yeah. just going to be a minute um matt is one of the few uh guests on the pod that i can openly just gush about pro wrestling with mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. forgive mm-hmm. us i will put probably a timestamp in, in the show <laughs> notes on when Please you can actually start listening one to one
1: 50 minutes <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is going to be another one of our, okay, we said this is just going to be an hour and a half, but it ends up being a four-hour giant-sized episode. <laughs> um, At least we have one comic. One comic. Just one comic this time, and a hell of a comic as well. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about Superman Kryptonite uh, that was originally collected in Superman Confidential 1 through 5 and number 11. Right, Fury, 11 yeah you know just randomly toss about. it it's like with the, uh, the Tim Drake stories in Batman Urban Legends it's like they gave him a block in like I think it was like 4 through 6 and then waited until 12
1: to <laughs> give him another one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you gotta keep the people waiting it's true you know if comic book fans are anything it's that they're patient
0: they're patient and, so, and they yeah. never need instant gratification quite like pro wrestling fans in fact oh yeah
1: of course of course Finish the angle. Pay off already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that is a confirmation, ladies and gentlemen, that the three-way angle between myself, Matt, and Owen will never end because we have long-term plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matt is currently drawing up the New Japan Gato chalkboard as we speak. (laughs) We're going to be taking this all the way through New Year's Dash is the plan. New Year's Dash. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if you all uh, if you all enjoy that. But I was
1: thinking about uh, uh, December to Dismember would be the the everyone's everyone's favorite ECW PPV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, I the killed mem- WWE do remember, ECW.
0: Do you remember New Year's Revolution when that yeah. was a pay per view for a couple uh-huh, of years? Uh-huh. And they're like, like, wait, uh, people have plans. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that the whole. The whole feud is going to culminate at Great Balls of Fire, twenty twenty three. Great Balls of Fire. The uh, fact about, that oh that was God. a pay per view name oh boggles the mind.
1: I don't who <laughs> Vince came up with that name. He's of like, course he did. What songs popular with the youth these days? <laughs> I know.
0: Is that Great Balls
1: of Fire? <laughs> That's my yeah. Vince voice.
0: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. you fire. That's pretty good. I think uh, I think need I need more you flim. to you need more you, I need you to go out on TV and talk about the uh, then now forever together uh, mm-hmm. logo and just explain that to us before. Nothing
1: else going. is happening. Everything is great here. Carry on. <laughs> I am definitely not
0: <laughs> under investigation. Please take t- pay no attention to the lawsuit behind the curtain.
1: The worst things that you've heard about me are definitely not true. <laughs>
0: I am definitely not a bag of money parading around in a skin suit. Oh my gosh. Do not question me for I am the almighty Vince McMahon.
1: Almighty. They should why isn't there was there there wasn't a, a little CGI Vince floating in the sky when he came out, right? They should do I, that,
0: you know. With how much I'm surprised they don't have a CGI Vince sitting behind the announcers table every week. You could hear him what he's actually
1: shouting into their <laughs> their, their headphones. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to get it's peek behind the curtain.
0: <laughs> so the the reason that we're especially uh pro wrestling supercharged this week is because we just watched uh Forbidden Door, the AEW and uh-huh. NJPW cross promotional show, a show that for a while we thought we would never see. Yeah. It was never announced
1: announce it Tony. Where is it? <laughs> I don't care about ROH announce it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't care that half of your Initial roster left New Japan to create this company. <laughs> you can't keep this from us forever. Exactly. We want Omega Okada 6 ASAP. I mean, I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I want Punk Kenta. Punk Kenta is going to be incredible, whatever that happens. Just you know a couple, I want? Of, couple of old guys kneeing each other in the face. Yeah, man. I want Orange Cassidy versus Toru I think that could be... <laughs> Danhausen Dan Toriyano, Danhausen Toriyano would be incredible. No, Danhausen Minoru Suzuki would be incredible. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine just watching Danhausen curse Suzuki, and then he just murders Danhausen?
1: Oh. <laughs> Suzuki would just be so upset that entire match.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just like, how dare you curse me when you didn't even shout "Kaze Ninare." <laughs> <laughs> that would be
1: uh, that would be something i minora suzuki scares me as, he's as, terrified he's very scary he's a very scary man but i, I love him that's why and i hear love he's
0: lovely backstage
1: <laughs> he takes it all his aggression on
0: on his opponent gets yes. it all out you know <laughs> and i i really you know what match i really want to see especially after this past week omega osprey because oh, of how yeah. much they have been shit talking each other <laughs> in interviews and over yeah. Twitter, oh, absolutely it's been incredible! Yeah,
1: I would love to see that. I think that would be an amazing match. I think they'd be a great, a great pair uh, to put together.
0: Um, but what did you think of the actual Forbidden Door? I, I actually, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great show. I was, I did not know how to feel about it because, mm-hmm. I mean, the injury bug crippled half the roster yeah and then the lead-up promotion wise was not great they decided to put their co they decided to actually sign their co-made event a week before (laughs) the actual show i don't know what that yeah well
1: like they they decided not to because they had double or nothing like a month before forbidden door and they decided to not do the, the build up until that was over which i get in theory, but yeah. then it probably should have been longer between them. And I guess yeah. apparently this was just the date that worked. Mm. So I don't know. They should have had a different strategy. But yeah, to, to be like, okay, so boom, double, nothing's done. And then next the next show, Dynamite, it's like, okay, now we're starting. Um.
0: Yeah, and, and I think and, it, yeah. it, it probably lines up because the G1's starting soon. Mm -hmm. and like nobody's gonna be available on the new japan side when we get to the g1 so it's like okay we gotta gotta get this in before they're unavailable for the rest of the year yeah because they'll be dead afterward yes as Mm -hmm. everyone is after the g1 (laughs) though i'm kind of sad that it's only like lance archer who's in the g1 from aew
1: that's a little that's a little underwhelming but at the same time it's sort of like i mean everyone at aew is injured also so
0: i mean It would have been really cool for them to say like, okay, now forbidden doors over. Oh, by the way, the last like contestant of the G1, Kenny Omega. Like, I Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson even. He's been wanting to be in the G1 for years.
1: Well, now he has an undisclosed injury and that was, that was tough. I'm glad that he was like, I'll be back soon. He didn't say what it was, but yeah, it's like, I was a little scared.
0: I'm I'm hoping it's not concussion related again because I don't, that's the last thing we need yeah
1: i don't know we'll we'll see but i did really enjoy it i was Agreed. sort of like a week before i was like i don't know i don't know how this is gonna go yeah and then the week of like on dynamite they were like boom like here's four more matches and it was like oh this, this is sick like i really um then I, I was excited and i think it really paid off really well um i enjoyed every match i thought that mm-hmm. every match was solid at least solid and entertaining yeah and then there were some classics um yeah, I had, I missed the first few matches and then I, I I caught up throughout the the next few days. So I've yeah. seen everything now, and um, <clears throat> I know like the last match that I missed was FTR, oh, um, and you were so like, "That's a great match." And I like, "Oh, so good! It's so good." So FTR, great. Living Legends, seven seven star FTR, seven star like, FTR. Oh they,
0: are they are the best tag team on the planet.
1: Yeah, absolutely, they're incredible. And it's you know <laughs> what's funny about them is if you're like, well, what makes them so good? You just got to be like just watch just watch them because there there's something about them that they are are such great wrestlers and they have mm-hmm. such a great dynamic and they know how to tell such a great story in the ring yeah um they're a little bit more old school than like Very their much. approach to matches but they're hard hitting and they're super athletic um but it's just like it's these it's just two dudes these two <laughs> these two Do guys being dudes that just go out there (laughs) and they they crush it every time and you get into the match and you're like oh man like you really start getting invested in everything that they're doing and yeah um i know we mentioned and we're messaging is like dax harwood wrestler of the year wrestler of the
0: year dax harwood
1: (laughs) and 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 honorary wrestler of the year to cash of course Um, but like like, dax is so
0: good that like when he went to the back And then Mm -hmm. came back out Mm -hmm. later it's like okay is this a work did he actually get hurt yeah he said afterwards he's like yeah i separated my shoulder but i'm like that's exactly what you would say because you're a good worker yeah so i don't know but i think he's working working you brother he's 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 working me into a shoot that shoots (laughs) me into a work brother (laughs) no but it's it's incredible to see their success when just like three years ago they were shaving each other's backs on smackdown like <laughs> y'all remember that y'all remember the revival uh, they, they've been fantastic i'm excited to see them compete for not just the aew tag straps but hell go to impact challenge yeah. the good brothers go to japan i want to see ftr versus god like that is mm-hmm. going to be incredible if that happens
1: yeah i think it's awesome i i love the the opportunities that it opens up um it, it I mean, I, I saw a little bit of dynamite and, and they were out. They were, they came out and downhausen with Danhausen. <laughs> that's awesome. He's just like, here we go. FTR and then the crowd just loses it their rushed. minds. They're like, it's FTR. Like like they went from they, they became faces because they're so, so good. good. <laughs> yeah. They're so good that everyone was like, I can't possibly root against these guys because they're so good. And they, yeah, and they just tw- tweak themselves a l- just a little bit and boom, mega faces crowd goes crazy. If they pop for them as hard as they do for CM Punk and Mox and everyone, they're just at the top, top
0: guys. They're top guys. They are approaching like that 2013, Daniel Bryan hysteria. <laughs> yeah. like, when it was like becoming undeniable that he was the best wrestler in the company and that everyone yeah. loved him and they turned him face because he was so good at his job and it's yeah uh, they are they are quickly becoming i mean all timers when it comes to tag teams Mm -hmm. in history of wrestling
1: it's so funny because like uh, jeff hardy comes over right yeah and you got hardy boys and it's clear that tony Khan was an AEW was just like okay we can get the hardy boys and we'll give the we'll give them the straps and we'll do big hardy run and everything and obviously everything falls apart with jeff and you know the addiction stuff is really rough But I mean, watching them in the ring was like these guys—they don't have it anymore. They don't have it anymore. They got to give it up. Like they're so banged up, yeah. And all their and all their stuff relies on being crazy. And they're so banged up, and it's like they can't go anymore. And you're like, FTR is right there, Mm -hmm. like they're right there. And it's obviously like they get plenty of time, and they're doing plenty of matches too. But you're like, but it was just like you don't you don't need. The Hardys. I'm sure that they bring in an extra crowd, of course, because they're the Hardy Boys. Um, well, just I guess just the Hardys, right? Hardy Boys, boys. Hardy, (laughs) well, Hardy Boys with a Z. I think is actually WWE like ownership. Did they? Um, Oh shit!
2: Because
1: when they came into AEW, they were just Hardys. They're the Hardys. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just like I don't need that. Like we don't, we don't, you don't need them because you got FTR
0: especially because you've got other teams too on the rise. Like oh, I am very excited for the acclaimed. I love that team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 2023, I think is going to be a really big year for them because they are already on the incline.
1: Yeah. Bowens just needs to come back from his injury and then they'll, they'll go. I, think they, I saw, he I know that leaped he was out of
0: the wheelchair today. I, yeah. But I'm sure
1: you got to wait a little while longer. Of course you got to be safe. I think yeah. Um, and then I really love uh, Starks and Hobbs. Yes. I think they're awesome. 100%. Um, it's like m- m- like half of me is like put every title on Starks. Yes. And the other half of me is like put every title on Malachi Black. Um, Absolutely
0: agree. I really want a solid Starks <clears throat> Scorpio Sky feud for the TNT mm-hmm. title. I think yeah. that would be incredible.
1: That would, that would be super cool. Uh, I think that they they could put off some awesome matches and yeah i don't know we'll we'll see what they do with them it feels like those guys are always just like right there like yeah. right off to the side consistently like getting airtime and doing matches but never quite like going over the the hill and, and getting to the next level um yeah.
0: but but, I but I think yeah. the acclaimed yeah. have all the potential of like old school nxt uh enzo and mm-hmm. Cass. <laughs> like they have yeah. that potential in them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah but absolutely Another match that I loved, Osprey and Orange Cassidy. Will Osprey is one of yeah. the best wrestlers on the planet. Yeah. And Orange Cassidy is an absolute monster in character storytelling. Oh yeah, he's great.
1: I love that um it's such a like a simple gimmick of like that Cassidy doesn't try. Yeah. And then when he tries, you're like, oh my God. <clears throat> Cause he's really great. He's really it's great in the ring. wrestler. Um there were moments in that match where I legit thought that OC was going to win. Same. Yeah. I think he hit, he, I think it was when he hit like a hurricane Rana into a pin.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: was like, he's going to do it. And yeah. like, and then like kicking out of like a bunch of the, of Osprey's other finishers and stuff like that. Cause Osprey has like six finishers. Yep. Um, because yeah, he's a street fighter was... character. Is what he <laughs> <laughs> You're right. He is a street fighter character.
0: Yeah, he's he's incredible. Him. And when he, when Cassidy wrestled out of the first stormbreaker attempt, I was like, Oh yeah. shit, he's gonna win. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. and then he kicked out I I don't remember out of what I think it he was. Kicked he kicked out Hidden Blade. blade. Yeah, yeah blade he kicked out Hidden Blade. that move, too. It looks so it's,
1: it's so brutal. So brutal.
0: brutal.
1: Yeah. For listeners just... who
0: have no idea what we're talking about, that's when uh basically Osprey's opponent is seated and will comes up behind him and just like elbow strikes him straight to the back of the head. It is brutal looking run, runs so cool. run your opponent over from behind with an elbow. Yeah, That's it's basically it. It looks incredible every time. I've never seen someone sell it bad. It's always. It's, sold like you, get,
1: you get knocked on your face with it. <laughs> yeah. Even if he's like, if even, I'm sure he's good at like diverting, yeah. diverting the hit away. But you're still getting knocked on your face because yeah. he's going over you. He's For like, sure, he's running you over. So just stay down,
0: and there you go. The moment when he had him like stretched out and he reached into OC's pocket and then pulled out the middle finger is <laughs> masterful crowd work. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, that was a great match. That was probably my my favorite. Yeah, my that favorite was my of match night. of the night,
0: though closely followed by a match that had to be changed Claudio Castagnoli making yeah. his debut in wrestling that Zach was awesome. Jr. That was in great.
1: Colorado. Yeah, I love that it started with with Claudio hit, like nearly beating him like super fast. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. You got um, me. Yeah, when he hit him with the the uppercut and the, the gotch style and all that like and it was like, oh, so close. So you get like that. You get the payoff of like getting your big guy in and him like you know, showing off really fast and showing how powerful he is, but then actually having a full match and the match was awesome too.
0: Yeah. So good.
1: Um, And yeah, Zack Sabre Jr. Looked awesome, dangerous. And
0: he always does. He's so good at what he does. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the, uh, the four way?
1: Very good. Um, (laughs) But the ending was, was a bit rough given that I guess um, Cole got probably concussed. Yeah and uh and then they wrapped it up super fast like his, his switchblade switchblade kind of showed himself to be a good guy yep you know um and that like he saw it he saw what happened and he called the end and he ended it to save yep. to keep him safe yeah um like he he rolled him up and 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 shoot pinned that guy shoot to pin, keep him down. down yeah end of the match out so that was kind of weird but i enjoyed it um It's funny. I thought that it was good. I felt like the person that shined the most was, was hangman.
0: That's Um, interesting.
1: Yeah. I thought that he was, he, he, to me, like popped the most in the match. Mm. Um, The way he felt like he was on the attack and had like a lot of great moments and he was dealing with everyone in a different way. And I thought that everyone was, was good. Um, but yeah, but I thought that he was like, he came out on top and, and everyone else was, was solid. You got, you know, Switchblade, Okada and Cole. So you're not going to get like a bad match at all. Not but, even close, yeah. yeah. What
0: did you think? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. It was it was definitely in the in the tops for me. I love every single one of those characters. Um, for me, the one that stood out was Switchblade. I mean, Jay White mm-hmm. is a master at his character. And his character work immediately rolling out of the ring, doing the heel, doing heel stuff that we know and we've seen before, but still making it feel new is one of the things that Jay White does better than anybody else in the business. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. his consistent character work to pull strings, get people to turn on each other. He is Mm -hmm. very good. Mm -hmm, And he is mm -hmm. absolutely underrated with his in-ring quality. Like he's not, He's never going to be an Osprey, but mm-hmm. like the work that he can do in the ring is so smooth and it's so oh, yeah. well, uh, well, it's, he's such a well-oiled machine when it comes mm-hmm. to hitting his spots, when it comes to getting you invested and his character work is top notch. So he was yeah. the one that's that to me. I mean, and that's hilarious when you think about how you have Kazuchika Okada in the bat yeah. <laughs> Maybe the best wrestler on the planet, yeah. For the last yeah. like maybe ten years, when you
1: get like the, when you get the four way, like it's tough to make everyone shine yeah. equally. Which I thought they actually did with the All Atlantic Championship.
0: Agreed. I right thought that
1: now. everyone there was really like neck and neck for best performance in that match. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I really enjoy that. I think I like that one better. Better than the 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 main championship.
0: Well, the 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 finish was definitely better as well. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I mean that, that helps
1: too. I, <laughs> yeah, I love that with what Malachi uh In the black Mist. mists yeah. Miro, and kicks him out of the ring and then gets. 450 by pack who then submits um why am I his name? Yeah. Connors. Who's great? I'd
0: never seen him before. He was
1: awesome. Me either. Yeah. He was, he yeah. did a
0: great job getting himself over in that match. I oh, yeah. was really <clears throat> pulling for Malachi because I just yeah. they need to put a belt on him. They need to yeah. make him feel important. Mm-hmm. Um, no I I agree I'm not that... mad. I'm not mad yeah. at Pac
1: got it. Yeah, I thought it was super cool. And um yeah, yeah. I, I House of Black is like super threatening and I love the presentation so cool. and everything they've done. They've kind of just been in that death triangle um, feud for a while now. And I think that they need to kind of accelerate out of that and have yeah. a different target. Agreed. <laughs> Which they briefly did with Fuego del Sol.
0: <clears throat>
1: or Fuego, the, del Sol. With Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol is like, why are they feuding with Fuego del Sol? And they murdered him. They absolutely <laughs> murdered him. And then before that, um, Malachi cut this promo where he's talking about pulling the razor blades out of his neck, and like I was like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I'm terrified.
2: Oh, so cool!
1: <clears throat> yeah, he's he's amazing, and um, Julia Hart being added is perfect. I never knew that we needed that. Yeah, it works so well. Her presentation's awesome in the group. Um, she had her first like House of Black match uh, on Dark, and she was really good. Where she like she submitted her opponent, um, like really brutally, really good. So, I mean, I think they're kind of complete as a group now. Mm -hmm. Um, Agreed. So they just need like like we talked about House of Black versus Blackpool Combat Club would be great. Give that to me. I need it so bad. And then you could get them to sort of like become a major threat to the championship. Uh, What's tough is having like evil, like evil um, characters in wrestling become obsessed with being champion yeah um it doesn't always work it's sort of like undertaker was champion on and off but he wasn't really champion all that often and his and reigns it was never weren't his like focus He was yeah. never as focused and his reigns weren't super long and when WWE put the championship on the fiend oh, God. everything went terribly like that was a terrible idea because it's like this person is supposed to be the embodiment of like the devil in wrestling <laughs> And why does the devil need like a championship belt? Yeah. So we'll see what they do.
0: Yeah. Uh, last thing before we actually talk about the thing that we're here to talk <laughs> about. Uh, how'd you like the uh, the main event? Mox versus Tanahashi for the interim it was really AEW good. championship. It was
1: really good. I really enjoyed it. It was a, just a, it was a really good, solid, like fight between those two. They're both amazing wrestlers. I think they worked really well mox bled like crazy oh like a gusher god he was bleeding so much i was like of course he's bleeding
0: yep has to it's yeah it's, it's like it's in his contract or something
1: like it is funny that he's like the roughest and toughest in aew but he's the one that always bleeds yeah you know time. like I mean Tanahashi, I don't think he's interested in
0: bleeding like no. not his style. If I if I had his hair, I wouldn't either. Like, I don't <laughs> want to get blood in this. You know how much time he spends on that. He does has he does have wonderful hair. Best hair in um, wrestling.
1: Yeah, but I enjoyed it, even though I felt like it was a foregone conclusion that Mox was gonna win. Agreed.
0: Um I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what about you? I liked it a lot. I I understand why it went last because it was for the championship um Uh championship of
1: the host the hosting company
0: exactly it it felt to me like the 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 iwgp four-way felt like a bigger deal Uh at least going into the show but i absolutely understand and and with you know hindsight being what it is i'm glad that it went on last yeah but um yeah i thought it was really good it there was the uh in the media scrum after the show mox was just like yeah i think i have a concussion and i'm like no not you too we can't have another guy go down
1: (laughs) but you can't uh, have your interim your interim (laughs) champ also be injured
0: yeah we're we're gonna need three different interim champs to do a, a a tournament but yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a good show overall. Very good. Exceeded my expectations. It might be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, show of the year so far. Uh, it's tough. Yeah, but... it's tough. It's tough to say.
1: Uh, oh my gosh, I was just looking. I was just looking at. Oh my god. I'm. I'm. Oh my. God. I'm looking at some clips from Blood and Guts right now. This oh is, no.
0: This is disgusting. Yeah, oh, listeners, uh. as we are, as we're recording this, it is. Uh, Wednesday during AEW Blood and Guts and there is some real bad stuff going on. It's, it's, it's a match some, that just some the name, Blood and Guts Oh my gosh. Though I it. love I love that Backstreet Boys looking gear for the yeah. uh, Appreciation uh, Society. Um
1: Mox is like driving some broken wood into Daddy Magic's forehead. Oh, <laughs> it looks anyway (laughs) that looks horrifying in all the ways that you would expect
0: and i think that's as just as good as any of a transition out of our wrestling talk um into the main event here what we're here to talk about is the reason for the season um we are putting the geeksplain spotlight on superman kryptonite this is uh, part of our series where every single month I take a look at a different series, uh, graphic novel, one shot, whatever, and basically gush about how freaking good it is. And this is one we're going to be talking very positive things about. Um, this sure. is in honor of Tim Sale, who unfortunately passed recently as we are recording this. Um, I really wanted to spotlight a book that involved him because he's one he's one of my favorite artists uh his work is incredible it's seminal it is iconic you know a tim sale art piece when you see it that's how iconic mm-hmm. it is even people who have never read a single comic that he's been an artist on know his art and i wanted to cover something that didn't involve someone who <laughs> hates me and people oh that I represent. So yeah. I went and found a book that doesn't have him. And <laughs> also it features another creator who has unfortunately uh passed away, Darwin Cook, who is an all-timer. Darwin Cook is one of the greatest comics anything who has ever been in the business. And as as they say in the Pro Wrestling, he's uh he's the one of the greatest ever lace with a pair of boots. And <laughs> Having them both on one book, that's also a Superman book, feels like it was a book made especially for me. And yet, this was the first time I'd ever read it.
1: Yeah, same for me. Um, I had never, I'd never read this book before. I guess we should say the name of the book. Yeah, we say the name of the book. Oh, we said the name of the book at the beginning. That's right. But you that's did. okay. It, it's always
0: good to to recap. So it's Superman Kryptonite. Um, it is a collected edition of several issues of Superman confidential and it, it does the thing that I really like with my Superman stories. I like young Superman and I don't think that's Mm -hmm. an unpopular thing to say. Um, I think a lot of people like young kind of impressionable Superman who's still figuring things out, but the thing about it, I like here, there's no origin story. If you want to look for that, you can look at Superman for all seasons. Um this I think does a good enough job being a sequel to that without Mm -hmm. having to without forcing you to read that to read this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's there's definitely some shared DNA, at least with you know, sale drawing it, you're gonna make the connection already. You don't need to have one to have the other, but it's a nice continuation to some degree.
0: For sure. And I think having this be set in I think it's set like He's been Superman for six months or something at the beginning of this book. Mm -hmm. Um, You can tell he's still very uh, wide eyed. He's still figuring things out. He's still trying to balance the life between Clark Kent and Superman. And as the title suggests, this is his first exposure to kryptonite, the meteoric rock that weakens him and has the potential to kill him. What I love about it, though, is that even though the story is basically Superman Kryptonite, Kryptonite is not really the story here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not really about, oh, it's Superman versus the Green Rock that we've seen in other stories and other media. It was originally, uh, I believe, created for the Superman radio show and getting more or less an origin story for Kryptonite in this, I thought was interesting. But it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't put it at as the focus. It's something that's kind of always there, and you know that it's a lingering threat. But the story is really about Clark. Clark, Lois, and the life that they're trying to lead. Mm-hmm. And you've got other characters Tony Gaio Lex Luthor one of my favorite depictions of Jimmy Olsen I've ever read in a comic
1: I, oh yeah I loved Jimmy in this this is great
0: chaotic Jimmy Olsen is the best <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he is at little rascals Jimmy Olsen is what he is
0: little rascal gonna tase you Jimmy Olsen is top tier Jimmy Olsen for me yeah <laughs> um, the next uh, fraction of Libra book needs to have 100% more Jimmy tasing people <laughs>
1: If fraction ever does another Jimmy Olsen, he's going to like peace out after six issues. He'll be like it's a 12 issue series and it's six issues he's like, "Uh, hey, Steve, you want to re- write the rest of this for me? I don't care anymore." Yeah, he's, that's He's
0: he's going to do what he's done uh with other characters. He's going to be like, "You know what? Uh, Matthew Rosenberg, you get the back half of this." We're going to see uh Matthew Rosenberg uh, Jimmy Olsen for the back half and we'll get our our Jimmy Olsen free fall don't please please no <laughs> I know you like uh, I'm of the
1: of, of the minority opinion that doesn't really like Hawkeye free
0: fall totally get it that's fine and, that's fine and I get I get that I'm in the minority and I'm okay with that. I'm we're gonna okay have a people to like it. we're gonna have an anarchy in the arena match later about it once we finalize <laughs> our rosters for that match yeah um, but yeah, let's, let's kind of dive into this, because this, this was a book that, once again, we, had, uh, we hadn't read before. Uh, Matt and I were discussing it, and I was like, "We, I want to cover this. Are you interested? And he's like, yeah, I've never read this before. And we set about reading this story about Clark Kent realizing how vulnerable he is, both in the physical sense and in the metaphysical sense. And that's, what I, that's yeah. something that really struck me about this book. Because it's Mm -hmm. not so much about what is the physical threat that Superman is facing. Though there is that, of course, because of the threat of kryptonite. But it's more about Clark realizing that he needs to be able to open up to people. He needs to be able to um, not shut people out when he is in need of help. Mm -hmm. And that spoke to me on a (laughs) spiritual level. And um, what, how did you feel about the, uh, the themes of this? And were there any themes that you picked up on while reading it?
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I I really enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. It is a story about vulnerability, right? Like it's pretty clear that like a couple issues and you're like, okay, I I get it. Like I get the idea. And um, what I really enjoyed is like, you're talking about how it's a, it's a young Superman story. Um, and I agree that a lot of the best Superman stories are early days of Superman, whether they're like an origin story or whether they're just set like earlier. Because I think there's something something to Superman having some lack of like assurance in himself, having questions, having... Because Superman at any age and by any writer can be great. But the important thing is is to have him be human and have like a vulnerability to his like personality that he has wants and needs that he has doubts that he has like internal struggles. Right. And maybe it's a little bit easier to get there when you have like a young Superman who hasn't, you know, had decades of, you know, defeating crises and dark side and apocalypse and all this sort of stuff. Like, um, you know, we get a little bit more of a grounded guy. Right. Right that he he goes home to smallville he has struggles with lois he's figuring out his place in metropolis things like that it becomes easier to write a compelling story when those the the relatable humanity of superman is there um because i think it, superman can also be great as an aspirational figure someone that's like i want to be like him i i but i will never be him i want to strive to that i've always thought of like Superman is like the ideal to strive toward and Spider-Man is like the hero that like struggles with us. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the two dynamics of those types of characters. Um, So it's, it's just a little bit easier to get there with like young Superman. But what I really liked about this, what I thought was like a really fresh take was the idea that Superman doesn't actually know how vulnerable or invulnerable he is. That's the big, point of the story that the opening is like and i i think that is a simple story beat that i never thought of and that i've never seen any other writer think of and i think it illustrates how much of a genius darwin cook was um that yeah if you think about it especially because this superman doesn't have some sort of uh, fortress of solitude recording from jor yep there's nothing like that um in this con in this continuity in this storyline which was also done i think this was around the time of infinite crisis uh, that it was it 2008 was? yeah oh, so that not after. all of the canon so canon was really like fuzzy and so he could kind of do whatever he was like can i do it set in the past editorials like go ahead and it you know we're not really sure about canon so do what you want and so this whole thing of like because every time Suran gets a new origin sometimes it's every like two or three years at certain points in his history um that sometimes you know he knows where he's from and he has the recordings like in superman the movie and sometimes he doesn't and there's all different relationships that he has from with himself to to krypton and everything with his, his parents and this nothing he landed in the rocket raised by mom pa doesn't know where he came from doesn't really know the reason for his powers it's just trying to do good so yeah he doesn't know and i think that's awesome that you know he early on he's like you know i don't know if every time i encountered some new type of damage i don't know if this is like it for me right and early on he fights the royal Flush gang yes which is cool which is a fun addition you know bringing them over mm-hmm. um and there's like a, a a truck with like liquid nitrogen or something and it explodes and it freezes him in the moment before he's like scared because he's like i could die right now this could be it Of course he doesn't, but he doesn't know that. And I think that is so awesome. Such a great character beat.
0: And that's, you know, that's something that I think is really part of what makes the story so compelling and what makes a young Superman so compelling because he doesn't know Mm -hmm. about kryptonite. He doesn't know about his limits. And so Mm -hmm. I think there is a and first of all, I knew I was going to love this as soon as I opened the book and it's like the Royal Flush Gang Mm-hmm. yes <laughs> top yeah, absolutely. five dc rogues of all time um, <laughs> they're super fun they're great and they they have new designs which is so uh uncommon nowadays mm-hmm. uh I, I feel like everybody plays off of more or less the same design for the royal Flush gang i mean mm-hmm. we do have ace being exactly what he is in every single uh iteration but these this king and queen have robes it's nice Uh, but yeah, I think that the, the idea of Superman throws himself into situations, not knowing immediately that he's going to be invulnerable. Mm -hmm. And there's this argument, of course, and you've heard it, I've heard it. Superman's boring. Why even have conflicts when he can just wrap it up and no one, nothing can hurt him and no one can challenge him. A young Superman doesn't know that. And the fact of the matter is like, that's not why he does it. That's not why he enters into these situations. That's not why he goes and saves people because he knows, oh, well, I can go and do anything because it's not going to harm me. It's not going to affect me. Superman goes into these situations to help people. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: if anything, this book illustrates that by showing that every single time something bad happens, he's like, okay, uh, this might be it. But at least I'm helping people when he goes uh, later on in the book, when he goes to help out the, uh, the island that is, yeah. you know, on an active volcano that is erupting. Uh, the artwork, first of all, is absolutely gorgeous. Tim Sale is putting yeah, yeah. in some of the best work I've ever seen from him. Uh, it was really scary. Oh watching yeah. I him totally just being agree. enveloped because he shows up to this, to this Island. And he has to blow off a date with Lois to go (laughs) rescue these people. And he's saving people. He's pulling people out of the fire. He's trying to use other rocks to stop, you know, to dig a trench so that the lava will flow in a different direction. Then he hits a pocket and it explodes. And at a certain point, he decides, oh, I'm going to try and dig underneath the island to try and let out the lava into the ocean. And he gets enveloped. And there's Mm -hmm. this, I think, five or you know, three or four pages of him just enveloped by the lava. And he's just yeah. like, I, all I see is lava. Like I can't, I can't breathe. And then he and has then, to breathe in. He breathes in the yeah. lava. Uh, yeah. And, he, and he's terrified. And the next time we see him, it's at Kent farm and Monpar, And I, I love this touch so much. Uh, Jonathan and Martha are crowded around this radio where they're listening to the report and you have to believe every single time he shows up, they tune in just to make sure that their boy is doing okay. Yeah. And they're just like, they're sitting uh, at the, you know, at the uh, dining room table and all of a sudden they hear a knock and Clark is just standing there and the vulnerability on him, the way that sale draws him here. He looks like a kid who just got beat up for the first time or Mm -hmm. he just heard like a, a, He was a kid who almost got hit by a car. Like he is traumatized by this. He's like, he has, he's like folding the cape in his hand. He's wringing it. And he's just like, you can tell he's shaken up by this because he thought he was going to die for the first Mm -hmm. time. You know? Yeah. This is the closest he's got. And immediately he just hugs his ma and it's, it's a wonderful conversation that he has with Jonathan and Martha about this fear. About not mm-hmm. knowing what can kill him, and in that yeah. way, he becomes just like all of us. We don't know at the end of the day, you know, how our lives are going to end. There's a mm-hmm. certain fragility to it, and there's a certain danger to every single day because every single day can be your last. And Clark takes that belief and that uh, that worldview and amplifies it. Because it's like, what if your job every day was just to go and dive into volcanoes? Like, the amount of stuff that can potentially kill him is exponentially larger than us. But in that moment, in that relatability, that ideal that you were saying, that aspiration to strive towards a greater ideal, it makes it a little bit more attainable because we see mm-hmm. that this character is going through the same stuff that we are just on a grander scale. It's it's that Grant Morrison argument that they made about he has, you know, Superman has the same problems that we do, except when he goes to walk the dog, he walks it around the moon, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's what, it's what makes that character sing for me and what is ultimately at the heart of this book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. That, um, I was in, I, I, and I, I, like the first issue was like, this is good. This is interesting. And then the volcano sequence was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is going to be great. And then, I mean, another thing is like when he's narrating, he talks about how, cause you see this panel of him coming out of the lava and he looks like this like fiery God, yeah um, which is like the only time you see something like that with him in this book. Mm-hmm. He's very human, very vulnerable throughout the rest of it. But that moment is like crazy. And he says how a woman saw him and like, she like lost it and she threw herself into the lava and it's like, that's like, that's really rough. And there's like the, the singed dog. that's like on fire. That's like barking at him. It's like the dog knew, like could sense my shame and everything. Like you can see this like vulnerability in these, like the, when he's talking about that, the three panels where it goes closer and closer, until it's on his, like his eye. It's really wide. Yeah. um, And like all the color is left out of his face. It's like you get, again, this is all about that vulnerability with Superman Mm -hmm. And I loved, um, I just, I love the sequences with, with Ma and Pa. Um, They are incredible characters in this. And just generally speaking, I I love Ma and Pa Kent, which is why I always want Pa Kent to be alive in Superman continuity, because I love Clark's conversations with his dad. Like it's, it's really, there's so much that you could constantly do there that to get rid of that character for the sake of extra vulnerability, just, I don't think it's necessary. You just that you're, you're leaving great stuff on the table. Um, so I love all that and <clears throat> how in that second issue, he's like, you know, don't, don't tell Ma about, you know, that you think you could die. Like that's too much for her. It's better if she thinks that you can't. And then she's like, no, I heard you like, like I'm here yeah. for you. Like, don't hide that stuff for me. Um, it's it's a great issue. And then, yeah, Lois goes out on the date with, with Gaia and that end panel, the full page uh, oh, splash.
0: Him showing up.
1: Yeah, and she's like, oh, uh, hi. And every issue ends with a full page splash of so uh, some sort of little, not quite a cliffhanger, but like a character beat of like, what's going to happen next? Like mm-hmm. something's, It's I, I wouldn't classify it as cliffhanger because cliffhanger to me would be like, someone's about to die. Oh my God, are they going to be okay? And this is more like, oh, some like it feels like happened. the
0: the end of a, a sitcom episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um I it's funny because you know as the story goes on you get more information about it. But I was like, the kryptonite is talking to me. Like <laughs> the the every issue opens with a a prologue from the perspective of this giant kryptonite meteor that landed on Earth and it's like I landed here and sees like it's like it's 25 years ago And then it it jumps at five years every time until it's present. And it's like, and I was here and seeing like, it's like the Buddhist monks and it was taken by these violent people. And eventually ends up in Gaio's family and sees like the murders of his parents and then taken by him. And you see like this thing has like experienced all aspects of humanity and is seeing the best and the worst. And you're like, why is the kryptonite talking to me? (laughs) And the so okay, and the reveal is that it was this observer alien that came to Krypton to record. It's almost like a, a benevolent version, yeah. benevolent like a monitor. It's like a monitor meets Brainiac yes. to some degree, absolutely. And um, benevolent, more or even just true neutral, um, just to observe. And then he got his consciousness stuck in this meteor that came to Earth alongside Superman, and is like. The one survivor came here and my goal is I just I, I need to meet him. I need to talk to him. Uh, it is it's really interesting, but it's funny because <clears throat> well, I feel like that's an interesting perspective, mm-hmm. but it's almost like pure MacGuffin. Yes. Like it's pure MacGuffin with this character, and I thought it was an interesting character, but not that but not that compelling because he is mostly just a passive observer someone that feels like a character that's there to like facilitate the next step with Superman and provide his his understanding and move that character forward. So Mm. I wasn't invested in that character. I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was interesting. Um, And uh, boy, people, maybe some people are more upset about the kryptonite, you know, maybe I get it.
0: I get it, you uh, know, and I, I, I too, you know, that character specifically isn't super compelling. And I thought I was fully and maybe just I'm, I'm dumb, but like full on, like for the first two issues, I'm like, all right, this is something we haven't seen given kryptonite a character. I'm yeah. in make this yeah. sentient rock. Like, let's do this. I thought mm-hmm. it was very interesting. And when it is revealed later on that, no, it's somebody who's trapped within it. I thought because there's there's something that Darwin Cook loves to do and that's like make characters feel like they are primordial that they are Mm -hmm. all encompassing that they are uh, omnipotent and he did it with the center in New Frontier Mm -hmm. and this gave me very much center vibes of like I am this embodiment of this. And it didn't necessarily yeah. have to be like, oh, this is an actual character that, like, you know, that Clark will have a conversation with. It felt, for the first few issues, that, no, this is a fe- you know a metaphysical um, explanation of what this represents to Clark. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I kind of wish he had <clears throat> gone that route and stuck with that, especially since yeah. the... You know, the um, possession of Gaio could easily be written away with kryptonite poisoning, because we've seen that happen so many times before.
1: Yeah, it, 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 he has the kryptonite ring and everything is like, oh, is this something happening here? And he's like obsessed with the kryptonite. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I did love the, how the um, the flashbacks were in a completely different color palette. Yeah, they're almost like negatives,
0: you know, mm-hmm. and they'd
1: be like almost like two tone and versus like the the more like full spectrum of color for the rest of it. I thought it was a cool touch. Um, the uh, the colors are awesome, gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Who, who who's the colorist? Me... I don't even look at this. Uh, but, um... color.
0: Oh, it's Dave Stewart, of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's he's yeah. awesome. Uh, colors by uh, Dave Stewart, Richard Starkings letterer. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I loved. There's a lot of like noir shadows and moodiness at night, but not in a dark way. It feels kind of warm like the, the issue three conversations did, between uh, Superman and one of my favorite pages in the entire book. It I looks love so, it so cool. Much. Yeah. With the like partial light on her at angles. Yeah. And you get that. And it's like it's so it's moody and evocative, but it's not um while it has like noir aspects, uh it's not like dark and like sinister it's just it's just moody it's it's nighttime or early early morning and i love that touch um just just a great accompaniment for sales art Um, yeah
0: absolutely agree it 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 doesn't like it doesn't feel like it's and i know this is apples and oranges but it doesn't feel like the long halloween does or dark Mm -hmm. victory Like the art is, of course, by the same artist, but the color palette, the way people are placed, the choreography of any action scene, it does feel different and it feels distinct. Mm -hmm. And I want to go back a little bit just for a second, because the, the conversation between Clark and Jonathan after the volcano incident really like it hit me really hard um Mm -hmm. i had to kind of like set it down for a little bit after that conversation because it's this thing where he's telling you know he's telling every uh his parents about basically like i failed even Mm -hmm. though he saved all these people he diverted a lot of the lava he survived this from what he understands to be a near-death experience that he didn't know he was going to survive and at a certain point jonathan just like gets up and he leaves he goes outside and clark goes out there and he's still wringing his hands he's this nervous yeah little bean and he's just like pa i'm sorry i know i screwed up tonight please don't be disappointed with me Mm -hmm. and that hit me right in the chest because it's like if i was in that situation with all of my like mind going the way that it goes that's immediately where my mind would go it's like oh yeah. I screwed up I went on this mission and he heard that I failed and I'm like I, I'm i so sorry like I tried to be as good as I could but I'm, I'm sorry I wasn't better and when Pa turns around and he's like god I couldn't be more proud of you like it I broke down man that mm-hmm. after that I had to shut the book I had to set it for aside <laughs> for a little bit like Every, every person deserves a pocket who is immediately going to bring you back down and say, look, you are trying so hard at what you're doing. And I could not be more proud of you for just showing up and doing the work. Mm -hmm. Like he says, he, you know, he says this, like, I couldn't be more proud of you. And then he gets to kind of the crux of really the book. And something Mm -hmm. that I, you know, that struck a chord with me, he was like, to the entire world, you are unbreakable. You are untouchable. You are unflappable. Nothing can harm you. But what if there is something? Like, what if it just happens one day and Mm -hmm. we don't know? We truly don't know. And then he makes Clark promise. He's like, look, your mom thinks you're invulnerable. Your mom thinks you're invincible. So if you have these, you know, thoughts of like, oh, I'm panicking or, oh, I'm scared. You come to me with that. We don't want to worry her. And it, again, like went into this big old thing that's like a tried and true method of presenting toxic masculinity, right? (laughs) Right in plain sight. Like it's this thing of like, we can't let people know that we are having a hard time Mm -hmm. because they will panic and it will put an undue burden on them yeah and i know for me i have struggled with that my entire life and so having a book that you know showed my favorite character in all of fiction (laughs) struggling with something like that was just i mean it was cathartic. It was heartbreaking. It was inspiring. It was fulfilling. It was this moment that I truly felt like I was, you know, I was heading towards that aspiration that you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, when Ma turns it around, she's like, no, like (laughs) I, and, and she's, and she reacts to Pa about it as well, but she's (laughs) just like, i am going to worry about you regardless like you are my son period she's like i she says of course i worry i'm your mother but i'm so proud of you i see the good that you do and all that and that all seems worth one old woman's worry mm-hmm. and when, when jonathan comes in he's just like Hey, you want to fix me a piece of pie? She's like, you can get your own damn pie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love them so much. I love yeah. them so much. But it's part of Clark's journey to realizing that it's okay to lean on people, it's okay yeah. to, you know, trust in other people that they can help and you don't have to do everything alone. And I've talked about it on the podcast. I don't think that's, you know, a struggle to, or a a big reveal here. Like I've dealt with that. It's Mm -hmm. a very easy thing to fall into and something that I have to be consistently reminding myself that it's okay to lean on people and ask for help. And I don't know. It it's, that was another, like, that was another thing that hit me really hard and made me fall in love with this book even more.
2: Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm.
0: the the that, main
1: go ahead. <clears throat> no, no, yeah. That I was gonna say that conversation. There's so there's the first one comes back from the volcano, and there's the second one. He comes back from the kryptonite. He yeah. stays longer because first he has a conversation with Ma, and then they all come together. And then the conversation out in the barn yes. is so good, oh, like because yeah. we're talking more and more about his vulnerability. And he says, um, "Maybe I can be killed. Does that make me any less a person?" Do I see it? It means I'm just like you and Pa. That means I'm twice the man I thought I was yesterday. It's ugh. like, ah, so, so good. good. Like that is, I mean, I guess I haven't seen, I mean, I haven't read every Superman comic, but I haven't seen him articulate something like that. in like in, in most stories. Yeah. Um, and I, I just love that embracing the vulnerability embracing like his humanity it's it's so it's so great and jumping further ahead like he learns about krypton and everything and and is it pa that's like suppose that you want us to call you cal yeah. from now on and he's, yeah and um let me I'm jump yeah because ahead,
0: ahead. it's so good yeah um yeah yeah he says uh He says, I've learned a lot in the last while. I've learned I can be hurt, maybe even killed. I've seen my birthplace and learned all about the two amazing people who were my mother and father. But nobody had to tell me what my name is. It's Clark. The name my ma and pa gave me. Like, Mm -hmm. that's... People have struggled for a very long time, and it's been said that studios have struggled. How do you make Superman relatable to a modern audience? It's not that hard. No, it's, it's not that hard. I mean, they've done it hundreds
1: of times in the comics. Yeah, if not if every comic, then just const- with constant storylines in the <laughs> comics. It's just it's not that
0: hard. It's and this hard. is a prime example. It's this idea that you know what you were saying earlier—the conversation in the barn. He had a, a an, another his second near death experience in this mm. story, and he's elated because it means that he's close he can feel closer to how his parents feel how the rest of the mm-hmm. world feels he feels more aligned with them and yeah. then when you know his parents are worried that now that he knows all of this stuff he'll abandon them and you know try and seek out more of his you know alien heritage he says no i can be both things i can be yeah both Kryptonian and someone from earth, but ultimately like I'm still your son Mm -hmm. and that doesn't change just because I learned about the other two people who gave birth to me. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that
1: whole, you know, adopted, you know, adopted families, right. Yeah, Struggling with, you know, you get to learn about your, your, birth parents you know and what does that mean what do you think of me And that sort of stuff like every the people will go through with that i mean yeah it's it's very emotionally vulnerable and uh also superman talks to a polar bear in this comic he right? sure
0: does <laughs> what
1: more do you need what more do you need are you lonely boy yeah me too <laughs> oh just love
0: that Just polar bear chilling by him just talking to him Um, And and that polar bear is just one of the many great supporting characters in this book. mm -hmm. Um, We've got our, I don't want to call him a central antagonist, but Tony Gaio is a. That is the weird part of the book. Is he like a deuteragonist? Is he like our second protagonist? Because we get a lot, we get almost as much of Gaio as we do of Clark. Yeah, give, give, all of the given that
1: yeah. well because the big reveal is that the kryptonite entity is possessing gaio and so it has been every, yeah every, for a, quite a while like what five years or something probably yeah, is at like, least yeah yeah because i think it's like five years ago is when he's like i decided to take him over mm-hmm. um, and that throws the entire book into a new light after that because you're like who is this guy Is he as bad as his reputation? What's he after with Lois? That sort of stuff. And then you get that revelation. And so you have to like reconsider everything that you've read. But I think that, I mean, it highlights the only issue that I have with the book, which is going to be funny when I say it's the only issue that I have with the book, because the only issue I have with the book is the plot of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everything that's like, what does Gaia want? Luthor, what does Luthor want? He and this like rivalry between the two and he's trying to sabotage Gaio and they're investigating Gaio and stuff like that. What's going on with him? Trying to get to the bottom of that and like Luthor's plots and everything is fine, but it becomes really muddled when you find out that the entity has been possessing him for all this time. So everything that he's doing is like, there's no like ulterior. Well, the only ulterior motive is, is, is for him to, to meet Superman. Right. But there's no like corruption or stuff like that going on but then all this other like stuff it's like i don't really know how to like how to reconcile the two sides mm-hmm. of like the threat the guy is supposed to represent versus what he actually is um but there's so much of the book that is just character moments and relationships and superman coming to terms with who he really is that's like a large large portion of the book i would say it's the ma- the majority of the book for sure and the the plot of like the investigation and luthor and stuff is just sort of driving like the action forward mm-hmm. so that it's not so something is happening that the there is like a plot going forward but it's, it's just not as interesting to me as everything else but everything else is so great and yeah. i think that's what you know someone that reads this book is going to remember this book for
0: Absolutely. I think I, 100% they are going to come away from this with the the character moments, the moments that mm-hmm. sing between the the passing glances and the what one of my favorites is, I think it's in the first issue where uh, Perry White brings everybody up to the roof of the Daily Planet and he's like giving them the breakdown of like, we're going mm-hmm. after Gaia, we're going to set up, you know, this yeah. uh Stake out i don't know who he's got on his payroll in the daily planet you're the only three i can trust and he goes i need people i know who are clean who can't be bought i figure that's you three and this (laughs) big panel it's uh it's page 25 of just lois jimmy and clark and it just (laughs) you figured right chief just tell us what to do like (laughs) yeah it's like the untouchables yes that's exactly what i heard is the theme. And I was just like, this is incredible. Um, though I, once again, because we have to bring this up every single time I do, uh, I will never be able to enjoy this book as much as I probably should have. Because every single book that, or every single page that Clark shows up, I'm reminded that he looks like a thumb. And <laughs> he does not look like as much of a thumb. In he this. he doesn't. He doesn't, especially when he's at Clark. Yeah. He looks he's, much more writhe.
1: Yeah, there, well, there's more definition to, like, his chin and everything. Like, in Superman for All <laughs> Seasons, which especially goes along with the young-looking Clark, mm-hmm. he's full-thumb. And this, he's not full-thumb. You can tell, I mean, Sale, you can see his art evolve. He's, he's an artist that found his, like, his voice pretty yeah. early on in his major career. Mm-hmm. And you can just, you know that's Sale. But it's evolved, and I think there's certain um, moments here where he gets kind of actually abstract when um, Superman is hit with the kryptonite for the first time. Yeah. And you get the couple panel close-ups where his face kind of like contorts, and then you get really close, and then there's like these really harsh angles on his face, yeah. to show like the pain.
0: It's almost like Jack Kirby, to some degree absolutely Um, it almost and i i hate making this comparison um when he falls into the hole and he encounters Luthor's men um post his first exposure he gets he gets the shit kicked out of him and when he stands up it almost reminded me of like a miller jansen pose he's
1: he's doing the um dark knight two yes or three um the scrunched up in yeah box and in the cover. Um, it, there's a lot of that. I, I thought it's that too.
0: It's very uh, sale Jack Murdoch.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I. So there's like moments like that, or there's the moment when, um, and this is a great a great beat when the entity finally like takes him back to Krypton, mm-hmm. and he sees his parents, and what happens yeah. when they ra- launch the rocket. And you don't see what happens to them; you just see him uh, watching them. And his voice sort of like, "There's so much love," and he's like so like um, he's completely like racked with emotion, and he becomes super abstract. Mm -hmm. His uh, he becomes super sketchy, and his face almost like feels like it's like like jittering apart to some degree because he's so like overcome. It looks unlike anything else in the entire issue because in the entire series really um because sale has this very like consistent art and flows well um yeah you're right, absolutely right his characters are a little bit more rounded and in that moment it like really really like falls apart um it, and it's it's, also it's interesting
0: beat, beat for sure And that like scratchiness, because I'm looking at it now and I didn't, I don't think I picked up on it the first time Mm -hmm. that the art gets like more scratchy as we get closer on his face. Um, That's also juxtaposed by the best, possibly uh, the best page preceding it, where we have uh, Luthor going, meh, as (laughs) Gaio, like, you know, Gaio kills himself. And then at the very bottom, we have jimothy Olsen mm-hmm. with a gun to the face of one of Luthor's bodyguards <laughs> and a taser yeah. to Luthor's back. He is one hundred percent menace, Jimmy Olsen, and I love. Yeah, him.
1: that it's. <laughs> he's got the backwards
0: the, newsy cap. again, he's
1: little. He's little rascals, Jimmy yeah. Olsen. He's so little and young too. He's yeah. like super young. Um much like because jimmy's always like the young guy and it's funny because usually i think like jimmy's like 22 right yeah in like normal modern comics he's like he's 22 yeah um like the fractions he's like 22 he's he's been he started young Mm um he's been out for a while yeah and now he's he's still young he's experienced but he's yeah he's like an adult and
0: this is like he's Fourteen, yeah, that's exactly the age <laughs> I was going to put him at too. Like, yeah, fourteen-year-old menace Jimmy Olsen when he's driving the truck. Yeah,
1: you know, you're like you should not be driving a truck right now. <laughs> um, which, okay, two really weird plot beats, two Please. moments. Which is so the so you get this whole revelation of like, okay, so the real guy who is crazy, and this person that you've seen before is not like him at all. And then you're like, so what is he really like? And he wakes up and he's like, Oh my god. Psychotic. Like you you are totally like literally psychotic. And he thinks that Lois is his mom and he shoots himself double in the head at yeah. the same time. Ugh. Um and like, whoa, I was like, that is like not where I was expecting that character to go.
0: No, no. Um I was expecting to we be should, like, because like Yeah Cooks never shied away from those kind of, you know, those kind of circumstances in his comics i mean in new frontier there is Mm -hmm. all kinds of heinous acts that people commit (laughs) to themselves and to each other yeah that's true that's very true and so Um, i guess i should have expected it but i absolutely you're right i did not
1: and i just realized in that panel with the blam where luther is like meh that um the l is missing and that luther is in for the l because he's because he's like so he's the l um that's genius, uh, but I hadn't thought about that until I just was looking at it again. Um, and then the other funny, weird plot beat is that Clark has multiple robots of himself.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna bring that up too. Yeah, because um, the coolest thing, the coolest little you know, sitcom cliffhanger is yeah. after you know, after Clark is first exposed to kryptonite and he has the you know the crap kicked out of him he is rescued by 14-year-old blogger and intern Jimmy Olsen who gets him back to, and he immediately says when he's driving him he's like oh we got to you know we could go to my house <laughs> he's like where do you want me to take you and he's like take me to clark's and i'm like oh is he going to is he going to tell him is he going to show him his his secret identity and he shows up and there's a great moment where I think he's passed out and yeah. he dreams of Krypton. And there's this beautiful yeah. panel of the silhouettes of Jor-El and Lara that mm-hmm. I swear to God Doc Shaner has lifted at one point, like for an <laughs> issue of Strange Adventures. Like it is gorgeous.
1: Amazing. Um, I love that. It's it's like four panels all together. Yeah. You see the destruction of Krypton and then you see them. It's like wow. That is amazing. It's it's breathtaking
0: stuff. And then he opens he gets him to the door. He knocks on the door and who answers? It's Clark Kent.
1: (laughs) that is the one true cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. And then the next they make you wait through the prologue of the next issue. They have Luthor look at the footage of Superman (laughs) falling. They make you wait to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. then you find <laughs> out that he has at least three little androids that he just uses as duplicates. Thank you. Clark
1: three execute sleep protocols. Hey, no problem. <laughs> We're pals, right?
0: Cause he matches what, <laughs> what Jimmy says.
1: Cause he's like, yeah. tell
0: me the truth. I had a bad day and you saved me. He's like, Hey, no problem. We're pals. Right. And then he repeats <laughs> it. And I'm yeah. like, they have personalities. I'm like yeah. that. That one that's shadowed in the front is definitely the Eradicator. Like uh, <laughs> we're just waiting for him to put on the Bret Hart sunglasses and go out and start zapping people. <laughs> that's true. He does wear the Hitman sunglasses. He does. He does.
1: <laughs> um, um. Yeah. I, that, that was like. And I was like, wait, what is happening? And then that <laughs> happens. I'm like, wait, what is happening? Like,
0: and we're not. It, it's not yeah. like we've never seen this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like when you think about like the Fortress of Solitude, Kellex and stuff like that. But like mm-hmm. just to have it here is so yeah. out of left field. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: well, um, was it uh cook said this was, you know, inspired by the original first appearance of kryptonite. Yeah. Right. In this, in those, you know, golden or silver age comics. And so something like that is very like silver age, mm-hmm. you know, of course. Yes. Of course. Superman has three, three robot versions of Clark Kent just to, in case he needs to cover up his identity, you know, things like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> and so like that, that's one of those moments. Um, but it's still, it's, it's, it, so again, that's where I say like the plot. Isn't as great as the characters. Yeah. Um, and their relationships. Um, but it's not like, it's it, it's it's by no means like something that I would detract from the comic. It's just like it's secondary. What, why things are happening is secondary to how
0: things are happening. Um, Which is a lot but, like yeah. life in that way. It's like <laughs> the, the things that you know. It, it's that whole you know journey not the destination thing of like you are going to remember the pit stops and you're going to remember the weird stories and the weird, you know, moments you had with your friends, not what job you were working that day, the conversations you're going to remember the interactions you're going to remember. And that's what this, this book really is about. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: um, I mean, again, the plot is so secondary to me that I just now remembered that the entity's name is Bridgewater oh that's
0: right <laughs> i forgot it had a name
1: it's like i guess you could in your language it would be bridgewater and like that's at the very end I'm like i'm not gonna remember that i just wrote <laughs> it down in my notes but um you got you it know.
0: yellowstone
1: <laughs> exactly um but you know i am um the it, there's certain the I mean we should talk about the art and the aesthetics and everything 100%. too because it's so amazing. And you can tell this is a Darwin Cook book because there's casinos, yep. um, organized crime, sweeping um, cityscapes, sweeping cityscapes, you know, corruption, investigations, there's a mystery at the center. Like that's like classic cook. Uh-huh. Um, you can see that in in both the stuff that he was drawn to to draw and the stuff that he wrote or that he wrote Andrew by himself, because that was his thing. He was very into the noir stuff. Um, did you read have you read much of his, his Parker comics? Yes. Yeah, and I was very getting a lot of Par- getting a lot of Parker vibes mm-hmm. in like just the general like aesthetic and the ideas here. It's like, yeah, of course he's drawn to the mob boss in the casino. Yep. And that he's gonna do that. And-, and all
0: of the all of the prologues are very much Parker esque. Mm. Yeah, you know, with the yeah. exception of the giant glowing green rock.
1: <laughs> well, you got to make some some exceptions,
0: right? I guess. I
1: right? guess. Um, and um, yeah, so I was thinking about that, and it, it works really well. The his his story leanings match really well with um, sales art artistic leanings. Yeah. Um, You know, they they really, really work well together. Because again, if you talk about like long Halloween and dark victory, there's a lot of that in there too. Very Um, much.
0: It's a noir (laughs) investigation. And like they spend a considerable amount of time in the story and a considerable amount of panels in their little stakeout headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. Where Jimmy's listening to stuff. They have their equipment set up. It's like, it's incredibly old school. Uh, I love it. It feels you know, the design is very art deco, which I immediately am drawn to. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's very much Superman, the animated series when it comes to the actual like skyline and the building designs. And having those characters, those sensibilities also pairs really well with the fashions, the cars, the, um, the big old saggy pants with the giant suspenders and the, (laughs) you know, trilby hats, like the reporters look like they're standing around, you know, about to try and see what the latest radio show is going to, you know, do around the water cooler. Like I love how old school yet weirdly timeless. All the designs feel
1: right. Although Jimmy does have a cell phone. He it's mentions true. having a cell phone. I was like, but oh. they're
0: using old school recording equipment.
1: Yeah. They've got yeah. like
0: the actual like eight track
1: behind him. Well, well, the, the, uh, the The newspaper maybe has has not a great budget they they've been using the same equipment for a while and uh so you know you, know, you gotta got that, deal that's, with what that's a that is a one hundred percent fair point um yeah uh, i am trying to think of, of what else oh yeah it is interesting um sales um panel borders actually yes. the actual panel layout they're all very clearly hand done mm-hmm. hand drawn without like a ruler or anything like that. You so can you get these wavery there's... lines, yeah. and overlapping, and it adds a sort of a scent like the ha- you can feel his hand, yeah, in the comic. You it can feels feel like he's the, telling a story that he put this down, you know, by himself to, to create, and I love that slightly organic feel to it all, mm-hmm. um, which you know shifts entirely when you do the Kryptonite flashbacks right where i scroll back to one again the the colors are completely different but also like the borders become really thick or there's a lack of them and of course like the entire page will have instead of like a white border the entire page will be colored it'll be all like one issues flashbacks will be all like primarily green or primarily dark blue or red or orange and they'll seep through the entire thing so it feels like it's you know um from from out of the past, and it mm-hmm. differentiates the prologue really well, which I think is really a really cool touch. Um, and of yeah. course, the the
0: the narration, the caption boxes are, are green. Yep, I love it. And it pairs with the uh, the caption boxes from Clark from his perspective, which are mm-hmm. rounded. They are trying to not fit into that rigid structure. Because it's, yeah. again, a younger Clark who's still trying to figure out his thoughts, his feelings on things.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: allows us to get more into his headspace and his perspective when it comes to different situations. Um, but one thing I do want to spotlight that we haven't talked much about is Lois. Yes. Lois is an absolute firecracker in this book. <laughs> and I this is peak Lois for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I love everything she's doing. Her right down to her design, I want to read in the back of the uh the deluxe hardcover that I have that I just I adore and will keep with me for a very long time. Um uh Tim sale wrote, If the main theme of Superman kryptonite was Superman learning about vulnerability, and it was, then one of the ways that he had to learn it, and ultimately the most personal way was through his relationship with Lois. In the first issue, there's a scene where they are having a picnic date on the Eiffel Tower at night, and it's fun and romantic in a way that only Superman could provide. But also important, not in a way that Clark could ever provide. And the arc that Clark takes during the story to come to terms with that being okay is the core of our story. I've been fortunate enough to receive many compliments about how attractive people have found my depiction of Lois in the series, and yet I cannot look at her here without seeing how indebted I am to Darwin's own drawings of her. Throughout the series, I knew I wanted to differentiate the series from my other big Superman series with Jeff Loeb, Superman for All Seasons. In my approach to the art, there were many things I did to attempt that. Much more black brushwork, utilizing the genius of Dave Stewart. But important among them is how much I learned and stole from Darwin about drawing Lois. Thanks, Dar, and thanks all. And if you look at them side by side, the design Mm -hmm. of Lois here and the design of her in... Uh, in New Frontier, very similar, very yeah. similar. In a way that she isn't. Anytime she pops up in other books from him before this, and mm-hmm. and I absolutely agree with whoever was writing in and telling him she is incredible. She is drawn to be incredibly attractive. Mm-hmm. Like the, you can absolutely tell why someone would instantly fall for her because. She's a bombshell, but also she is someone who stands on her own two feet. She doesn't ask for handouts. She, At one point, uh, Clark, after seeing her get out of Gaio's car, he's just like, you know, it, it didn't look like you were working. And he's like, again, he's wringing his hands. He's jealous and he's insecure about it. And she says, you know, I, how many times have I been stood up already? Had to wait on you while you did what was important to you. And don't try to tell me how to do my job. You haven't any idea what it takes to do what I do. And he interrupts and she's like, let me finish. You're the most wonderful man imaginable. I adore you. I'm even kind of flattered to see you get so possessive, but you can't ask someone to be there for you unless you're committed to being there for them. And that's another big, overarching theme in this is Mm -hmm. Clark learning to accept that he can't be perfect for Lois and that, that has to be okay or else it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. I love that she, yeah, she doesn't wait around for him when he stands her up because of the volcano. She goes, okay, well I'm going to go, you know, see Gaio and, you know, see what he's all about. And, You never feel like she's in danger either. Mm. Um, even when she's she feels in control, even when like Luthor and his men invade, when Clark is out because of the kryptonite, um, she's like protecting him and she's like, You're gonna have to shoot me, um, if you want to kill him. And while there's like a moment of danger, she's not like a damsel in distress, she's never in need of saving. Superman never saves her in the book, yeah. There's never a sequence of Lois is falling out of a helicopter and he's got to grab her or um anything like that or the villain's got her, you know, and he's gonna he has to catch the bullet or something like that. doesn't happen because Lois is is confident, she's smart, she's independent, she knows what she's doing, she has her goals and she's she's going after them, and she's trying to like just like navigate her way through this very complicated relationship. Yeah. Um and I, I like that it it shows you that the the complications of that relationship especially because she doesn't know the cleric of superman and um you know at the end it's a great beat at the end that
0: one of my favorite somebody asked me on twitter uh over the last couple days as we're recording this like what are some of your favorite like endings to a comic Mm -hmm. like yeah this is now right up there
1: yeah and I just, yeah, for, I mean, I guess spoilers for, for the end of the comic, <laughs> but um, that after everything and he, oh yeah, he, he, again, again, about the plot not being that important yeah. that he releases Bridgewater in, by destroying the kryptonite in the sun, um, using his like lead lined suit to destroy it. And then Bridgewater saves him. The no, very possibility
0: It's not the only kryptonite that came to earth. It was just the biggest chunk of it
1: yeah and um uh when uh when the entity um appears it i think a funny touch is that he's got a little superman hair curl yeah Yeah. um like him saves him in return and then leaves um and again it's like that character doesn't have a lot going on besides like being grateful to superman and having this like emotional connection with him but the most important things are what it ends with which, which is where he talked about Superman on the farm, talking about me. My name is Clark, and the the little caption says, "Mother, Father, Ma, and Pa. The five of us take a moment to settle in together." Like, that's a lovely little encapsulation yeah. of all the sides, you know, coming together. And um, and then he goes to visit. He goes to visit Lois, um, and uh, you're like, you, oh, "He's coming," and she sees that someone's arrived. Well, and and says, you can kind
0: of tell because she, yeah. she takes her place on the balcony like she's waiting for Superman.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's I love that. I hadn't thought about the that. She's waiting. And then the doorbell rings. Um, says, uh, most people would make a deal with the devil to be indestructible, to know they can't be hurt. Chalk it up to my own neuroses. to know, But to know I'm mortal, to know I have a weakness, well, it's a relief. It's given me a more genuine connection to the people I care about call it the humility of mortality she opens the door and it's clark yeah it's not superman it's clark um you know so you can use some company she's i'll get my coat Uh, they say i can change the course of mighty rivers i can bend steel in my bare hands which is echoing what paul was talking Mm -hmm. about but this this is going to be tough and they walk out on the street together i love um the colors that dave stewart like washes out a lot of the details with this yeah. like it looks like kind of spongy colors and so the lights are sort of very impressionistic that they're walking off into say what you will about my weaknesses they're what make me human and i i love that it's a, it's a wonderful encapsulation of the story but it's also kind of a meta commentary on people and their thoughts on on superman exactly and his invulnerability or why he's boring or not um I love that. It's a wonderful ending to the story.
0: I agree. I I really want that last panel just as a print, just up on my wall, because mm-hmm. it's so gorgeous. And like, oh, yeah, it's the two of them like connecting on a very on a v- very real level. And yeah. what I love about it is that it's juxtaposed with earlier in the uh, earlier in the book, you know that that scene that i was talking about where perry is talking to uh talking to clark uh lois and jimmy on the roof you know clark looks very done up he's in a three-piece suit his hair slicked back you can barely see his eyes past his glasses he's got a veneer up he's got you know he is projecting this image and he's not letting any people in he's got this wall up and when we see him here He's slouched. He looks relaxed. He looks nervous, but he's trying. He's trying to let her in, in a way that he hadn't before. And coming to yeah. her as his vulnerable self, not as Superman, but as Clark is trying to take the next step in making that choice to be vulnerable. And I love that. Mm-hmm.
1: That I love that observation. I, 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 I hadn't, I was forgetting about that. The whole like that the glasses are totally sheened. Yeah. At the beginning, yeah. There's that that wall. I, I love that. But it's a that is a great. I mean that that is why you know Tim sale master and Cook was a master and mm-hmm. man comic books are poorer for them not being here anymore. I agree. You know, uh, they're not. You know, obviously, what's most important is you know these these are people that died at too young of an age and, you know, my heart breaks for them and their family first and foremost, you know, but just to have these great masters of the craft to, to be gone when they could have had a lot more time, you know, to make stories is it's tough. They're, they're two of my favorites. Um, And it's crazy that I hadn't read this before because this was great. And it's a real showcase of like what made them special
0: yeah Um, absolutely agree like it's it's crazy that just like you like i i had never heard of this book before i'd never read it and i am in the way that you said that comics are poor for them not being here anymore i am richer for having read this book now because Mm -hmm. it is a full display it is a it is a prime example of why they were as good as what they were, of how masterful their storytelling was. This is easily, easily a five-star book, six stars in the Tokyo Dome. And (laughs) it's, it's a book I'm going to hold with me for a while. Um, When I heard the news about Tim Sales passing, it was a shock and, Like you said, like my heart goes out to his friends and his family because they're going through a tough time and fans I know as well, myself included, are having a tough time knowing that he is not going to be around anymore to do stuff like this. But yeah, the gift of his profession is that he left all of this stuff for us to discover, for us to enjoy, for us to hold near and dear to our hearts. Um, yeah. do you have a, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have a, uh, a favorite Tim sale book?
1: I was just pulling him up. I was anticipating <laughs> something like this. Um, well, you know, my brief history of my, you know, connection to comics is when I was a kid, I'd read comics off and on like something like, um, some of the first comics that I got were, um, DC versus Marvel. My dad picked them up and brought them because I was like into Batman, the animated series and Spider-Man, the animated series. And he was like, oh, I found out that there's this like Marvel DC crossover. So he would go and and pick up um, pick up the the comic uh, once a month or about when he'd go, uh, you know, after after coming home from work. And that was like some of the first stuff that I, I read. And I was like really invested in It's not a great comic. Is Don't, I, you know, if you read, I haven't read it in like a decade because I'm a little afraid to, um, even though I still have the, those original copies, I can never get rid of them. And then, you know, off and on would read a bit. And then what really got me into comic books as like full time, really passionate was I bought a copy of a graphic novel collection of long Halloween and um, I loved it. And I picked up a, uh, a copy of dark victory uh, right after, I think I bought them both from a Barnes and Noble and I was just so, I was so all about it. Um, It really just turned me into a fan. And then shortly after that, I bought new frontier. Um, That was like the fourth or fifth paperback I ever bought. Um, they they were about, they published them in like two volumes back then, and, and I bought both, and I was so insanely into that comic too. And so together, they really really solidified my love of comic books. And um, you know, Long Halloween. Not even talking about the the writer having issues as a comic, <laughs> it has faults. Yes, um, but the art is not one of them. Absolutely. And Dark Victory is stronger, and the art in that is even better. And New Frontier is just an outright masterpiece. Yep. Um and together it's like it's it, some of those are just legit masterpieces and it's hard to to express how like ingrained they are into my perception of comics when I read a comic and you know and I think is this going to hit a high? Is this going to like leave a mark? Is this going to encapsulate just like why I love the medium? It's sort of like, is this gonna hit the high of you know, Long Halloween, what Long Halloween felt for me at the time, or Dark Victory, or New Frontier? Um because though those just were like the they were it for me. They were they were the reason why I loved that. And then I, I kept reading more of Cook and Sale over the years. Um I mean It's hard to beat Spider-Man blue or Daredevil yellow. Uh, Those are just like squeeze your heart until they burst comics. Yeah, And as well as Superman for all seasons. And again, there's a certain writer who sucks as a person, but those are incredible. Um, I would definitely put those. um, Yeah, it's really hard to beat those. What do you think?
0: yeah no i uh i'm i'm right there with you when i first started really collecting comics um tim sales art was always an eye catcher and i always mm-hmm. knew that if a book had it was it was like a cheat sheet for me it was like if a book had his art on it it was probably going to be good <laughs> Yeah, and um and again writer aside uh for most of his work unfortunately um i was never disappointed with yeah any book that had tim sales name on it um i think that the one that will always come to me uh immediately is spider-man blue it's my favorite spider-man story of all time and mm-hmm. the it was it was i think and someone in Someone who's listening to this can go back and check in the archives and see if I'm a dirty liar. But like, I think it was essentially the first spotlight I ever did for the podcast Mm. was Mm -hmm. talking about that book. And it was a seminal moment for me because I read that and I felt like I finally got what everyone was saying about like, (laughs) man, Spider-Man's my favorite. Like, he's the most relatable superhero. I was like, oh, oh, I get it now. Oh, I understand. And that book has had a large part in me becoming a fan of that character. And Tim Sale's art is, I mean, it's iconic. People look at it and they, you know, they repost it and they draw inspiration from it every single day. Yeah. And they do that across all of his work. Superman for all seasons, I think, is a wonderful love letter to the character and now I can feel a little bit uh, less dirty about recommending a Tim Sale Superman book because now I have this. <laughs> yeah. um, because th- this is, again, what we've talked about plot aside, this is an all-timer for me. I think it's mm-hmm. a story that everyone can just pick up and enjoy. It's, it's now added to my list of Superman stories that you can hand to literally anybody yeah. and you will understand the character. Um, And a large part of that has to do with the two creators who understood Superman, you know, just as good as anybody ever has. Um, Mm -hmm. Darwin Cook is, I don't think I need to say anything because everything has been said by you and by so many other people who would word it much more eloquently than I would. Um, But Darwin Cook's uh, a master at his craft. and every single thing that he infused into his works, whether it came to Superman, whether it came to the DC Pantheon, whether it came to his own creator work, own stuff is infused into this book um, mm-hmm. for Tim sale. You know, it's again, it's hard to look past the, the long Halloween dark victory combo because that's the one I, that I think most people will know. Um, But yeah, it's, it's hard to top Spider-Man blue just for, what it meant to me as a reader and as a Spider-Man fan and plus I've always been a Gwen Stacy guy so that's always a book that I am going to uh to look to but um as we're wrapping up here do you have any final thoughts on Tim Sale any final thoughts on Superman kryptonite or anything else we talked about
1: well I'm really glad that you had me on to to, to read this book cuz I like I said I hadn't read it before um, and I really, really enjoyed it. I, I bought it to read it. I'm glad I have it. I have a digital copy, you know, the physical copy. I I want the physical copy, um, because just having that art oh, in your hands to look so over good. is amazing. Um so and it, you know, it there's to me, when you're a comic book fan, there's few things that are as like pleasing as just enveloping yourself in a story by people that you trust, by people that you know are like masters. Mm -hmm. And you just enjoy it. And I love the worlds that these two creators made and the way that they, you know, would bring you in and get you emotionally invested and create worlds and characters that you were comfortable in but excited by. Um, And that's, that's what this book is. And that's what both of those... What those guys did constantly throughout their careers. And when you look at their bibliographies, they're not huge. They mm-hmm. were both super influential. But you could easily read all of their work um, combined in a few months. Um, which I think it speaks to their um, their power that with their selective creating, um, they just influenced generations already. And gener they will influence generations to come because um yeah, you put you put something like Spider-Man Blue, Two Run Kryptonite, New Frontier, uh Catwoman, uh things like that, uh Parker, um uh oh um Cook's spirit is awesome. Yes. Uh it's Thank so you. fun. It is not really talked about all that much, because no one really talks about the spirit, except <laughs> when they talk about like, oh, Will Eisner, and Will Eisner is super foundational, and the spirit is Will Eisner, blah blah blah. But Cook's the spirit, which was just like a dozen or so issues, was is so great. He was in it, it was it's him writing and drawing. Uh, I highly recommend that to anyone that wants more of him. But yeah, you know, um, just with the work that they did, it's just like titanic like what they made was titanic and it's just like i said i'm really glad that i got to read this because there's there's nothing better than than reading something by either of them um yeah and i love superman too just like you and (laughs) i mean what i'm thinking about the different conversations that we've had on the podcast and superman has been a focus He has several times.
0: He was, he was the very first episode that I, that you came on the podcast with, with that film retrospective we did.
1: That's right. That's right. Boy, that was a lot of, that was a lot of movies, a a lot lot of movies, movies. a lot of bad movies,
0: (laughs) but but we got through them. We're here. And now we're talking about good things.
1: (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah. Um, So obviously both of us can talk about Superman for, I don't know, an unlimited amount of time, literally. We could we could just turn this into a giant giant sized podcast just by being like let's just talk about Superman and then we could go just for hours
0: and we have yeah. before yeah go back and check out those episodes <laughs> <laughs> but um I w- I want to say it, it's it's always a pleasure having you on the show man it, genuinely the conversations are always amazing we always get to also gush about pro wrestling which I don't often do on the podcast <laughs> um, but if our listeners want to. Uh, catch up with you uh, check out some of your stuff Matt has this incredible YouTube channel Um, go ahead and do your plugs man oh thank
1: you Um, yeah you can find me on YouTube at Matt Draper Um, uh, this recording I just released a retrospective on the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise Um, I've been doing a lot of big franchise retrospectives lots of horror stuff lately Mixing it up with like a lot of different things. I know I, I've done a lot of comic book stuff and I'm making that sort of like one element instead of the main element of the channel lately. But I will say um, that I'm writing the next video. Uh, it's going to be a comic book. Ooh. I'm just doing a nice short video on a comic book that we've talked about briefly. It's about Spider-Man unscheduled stop. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, just a small video talking about about it. And it's fun to – the, the Nightmare franchise retrospect was enormous. <laughs> and and um, this is just a nice little fun thing. And so, uh, yeah, I get to do that. And that, that that's a little preview. I've got a ton of um, – ideas you know in the works too there's everything from like a predator retrospective because praise coming out i'm really excited about mm-hmm. that um to i think I, I will be hopefully at some point this year talking about crisis on infinite earths yes. awesome. um i'd like to talk about grant morrison's multiversity yeah. um i'll talk about like escape from new york by john carpenter i'll probably do another halloween video around halloween because some reason I can't get enough of talking about that very bad
0: franchise. Can't wait for Halloween um, ends.
1: Oh, I can wait. <laughs> um, uh, No trailers, no trailers yet for that. We're, we're just a few months out and they're it's like, oh, man.
0: They're I like, hope it doesn't drop a single one. Oh my
1: God. They're like, here it is. Here you go. Here's, here's your slop. Eat it. <laughs> um, And uh, I got that. I've got a lot of different things, you know, like i said i'm trying to like i want to push the channel a lot of different directions yeah so i want uh, there's different video game stuff that i want to talk about to you. it's been a while since i've had a video game video where like i want to talk about majora's mask uh and i want to Best talk about Zelda um game. Y- yes well uh, it's tied it's tied with breath of the wild for me um you need to play breath of the wild well when you do you might change your rankings okay right. um I will to talk about that. I will talk about like Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, Chrono Trigger, stuff like that. So it's all a matter of like, I always have this giant, you should see this <laughs> document that I have where it's like, I have tons and tons of ideas. And then I have, here's the ideas I'd like to cover this year. And there's a bunch of those. And then there's sometimes something will just like pop up. And I'm like, I'll do that instead. And then the list gets longer and longer and longer. And There's ton, tons of stuff um so all to say it's a little preview of things that may or may not be coming this year oh, um yeah. before sunset sunrise and midnight uh video trilogy will some probably yeah. happen at some point this year i'd love to do that but yeah you know there's variety diversity change the topics around um,
0: diversify the portfolio
1: because if you spend too long making comic book videos then everyone's like you're just a comic book channel and then you only get like that area, mm-hmm. and then if you spend too long making horror videos, then the horror community finds you, and they tell you you're a hack fraud that adds nothing uh, to the community. <laughs> you can't spend too long in there either. So you want to you want to stick and move. You got you got to stick and move.
0: Got to be a journeyman YouTuber. Gotta exactly. Make your way. Um, I yes. will say though, uh, listeners, go watch. His metal gear solid three video and then harass him to do that Metal gear solid two video uh, <laughs> uh, because uh, I yeah. need more of you talking about metal gear solid. It is. If there's
1: one thing that I don't have enough of, it's being harassed by strangers on the internet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's you on know, comic it's... tube. So he knows exactly how that is on comic Twitter.
1: Video essayists serve a very important purpose in life. We provide the public with free entertainment and insights and education and in turn, angry strangers whose dads didn't love them get to yell at us and vent <laughs> their anger. It's a give and take relationship. And I find it to be a, a very symbiotic one. But symbiotic in the way of like, when you find out that the Venom symbiote is like actually eating you. Um, <laughs> so you must eat other people.
0: <laughs> all, the, all those poor kids and their balloons
1: uh please please watch please please listen to the uh, the geeks explained book club uh it's a wonderful <laughs> book club they talk about things like that uh and uh yeah everyone will get a kick out of it
0: thank you do you see th- this is why you bring matt on the podcast because he will plug my show on my show that's that's mm-hmm. the whole reason that's that's in the contract just like he's the only one who's allowed to have theme music we bartered this years ago and uh He's looking for a contract extension in 2023. So if you want him back, you know, you just got to, you got to keep requesting him and let me know how much you love the episodes he's on. But uh, yeah, uh, honestly, thanks again so much for coming on, on the show. It's always a pleasure. And um, when it comes to Superman kryptonite, I think this is a book that I'm going to remember for a very long time. And Mm -hmm. just like uh, Tim sells legacy when it comes to comics this is going to stick with me as we go along. And it's going to be a book that I look back, not just for now, but uh, for all seasons.
1: That's great. I love that. That's a perfect sign off. All I would add is good night, Hulkamaniacs and jabroni marks without a life that don't know it to work. When you work a work and work yourself into a shoot marks.
0: brother. Brother. Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I chat you up about all the comics that you should be checking out this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop or comicsology or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Splane pick of the week of last week. And there were quite a few contenders last week, but ultimately I decided on the variants number one. written by gail simone with art by phil noto i just adored this book it was so 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 good you know how much i love mystery you know how much i love detective noir and a jessica jones mystery is right up my alley i have no idea what happened in that first issue And I'm oddly really excited about that. (laughs) I think it's super cool. I can't wait to see what that story entails. But that's last week's books. This week we have... Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten books for you to check out. Some new stories, some stories ending, and a bunch of stories in between. So let's go ahead and dive into this first off Batman 89, number six. Uh, this is written by Sam Hamm with art by Joe Jones. I feel like it's been months since issue five. It's been a while, right? It's been delayed quite a bit, but this is issue six of six, the final chapter of Batman 89. And I wish I could say I loved this as much as I did Superman 78. But the delays coupled with some weird choices. uh, Unfortunately, this book I don't think has done as well as it should. So I'm still excited to wrap it up and see how they close out this Robin slash Two-Face origin story. It's going to be very interesting. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. It's a battle between former friends for the heart of Gotham, as Batman faces down Harvey Dent. Can Bruce save his friend before he goes too far, and what does this mean for the future of Gotham City? Pretty self-explanatory there. Very excited to wrap this series up. Next up, we have Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty number two. This is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with art by Carmen Carnero. I really dug the first issue. I really enjoyed the updates to the design. I, I, For some reason, I really like the split collar on Cap's suit now. I, I think that's just a really... It's just different enough to differentiate it from other past Captain America designs, but it's not so much of a departure that it feels alien. I really liked that first issue. I thought it was a strong debut for this run, and I can't wait to pick up issue two. Let's dive into the synopsis. Find the key, crack the code. Steve Rogers follows a trail of coated breadcrumbs to Germany, where an elusive organization is making bold and deadly moves, while Bucky Barnes's own investigation leads him to the high rollers tables in Madripoor. Thousands of miles apart with no backup, will Steve and Bucky find what they're looking for, or are they both in over their heads? So a, gro- a globe trotting adventure, uh, very national treasure style. I'm excited to pick this up for sure. Next up, we have Multiversity, Teen Justice number two. This is written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lore with art by Marco Faela. Uh, I really dug that first issue. I think it's a great debut for these characters. I'm intrigued with the Raven subplot. I'm just really excited to check out what this story is going to be telling us it is supposed to be a limited series i don't know how many issues this is going to be but i am looking forward to seeing how they uh how they treat these characters and what direction this plot goes so let's dive into the synopsis the explosive miniseries starring kid quick and their allies shifts into even higher gear as teen justice investigates the church of blood When efforts to infiltrate the mysterious church backfire, one hero faces a devastating loss. Plus, Supergirl and Robin attract surprising allies when they discover an unexpected mystery. Aquagirl finds herself out of her element and then some, and an encounter with the Justice Guild threatens the future of teen justice. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Should be a fun ride. Next up, we have Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number two. This is written by Torun Grönbeck with art by Michael Dowling. I Maybe it's just the bias from the book club, but this has very quickly become one of my most hyped books. I loved that first issue. I'm always excited to see Jane Foster suit up as the Mighty Thor again, though it looks like we're going to have to uh, take some time before we get there. So very excited about this, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. When Jane and Odin find a clue steeped in unknown magic, they turn to Dr. Voodoo for help finding Thor and learn of an interdimensional threat that will require more than Thor's strength to combat. Meanwhile, Runa cuts a Midgardian vacation short to help the warriors of Asgard hold off their enemy's assault on the Golden Realm. But why do their enemies seem to know something Sif doesn't? Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked about this. I love Valkyrie. I love our other Valkyrie, Runa. Very excited to pick this book up. Next up, we have Batman Killing Time number five. This is written by Tom King with art by David Marquez. Uh, This is the penultimate issue of this miniseries, and I have been loving it. The art has been gorgeous. The storytelling has been tightly wound and very steeped, and you got to pay attention. But I I love this book. I think it's been fantastic, and it's been one of the best bat offerings of the year. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. The heist of the century has gone so far sideways that an all-out and very bloody gang war is imminent, with Batman, Riddler, and Catwoman caught in the crossfire. What is the mysterious object that so many are willing to murder so many for, and how does it connect to Bruce Wayne? As we reach the climax of this thrilling series, the clock strikes its deadly hour. The time for killing is here. So it looks like this is going to be the big climax of the story, and maybe issue six will be the fallout. This is going to be one to remember for sure. Speaking of ones to remember, next up we have Firepower number 22. This is written by Robert Kirkman with art by Chris Somney and Matt Wilson. I love this book so much. It is so good. Um, The art has been stellar. The writing is phenomenal. Can't wait to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Owen's search for his old masters continues, but not every reunion is a happy one. Short, sweet, to the point, tells you all you need to know. The quest for the old masters continues, and it looks like there is going to be some uh, comeuppance and maybe some elaboration on some backstory. So looking forward to this one for sure. Next up, we have another finale issue. This is Strange Academy number 18, written by Scotty Young with art by Umberto Ramos. I have loved Strange Academy. I think this book is a hidden gem at Marvel, not not as many people talk about this as they should this has been one of the best offerings from marvel in years and i am very sad to see this go i am hopeful that the rumors of a season two will be uh true but i do feel like it's a weird time to end the book if they're planning on doing that with like an issue 18 why not go to 20 25 24 or whatever um I am cautiously optimistic. I want this to be good. I really, really do. I hope that this is going to be a satisfying finale, at least for this first season, and I just hope this book continues. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Platitudes get thrown around a lot in these pages, but if you've been reading Strange Academy, you know we don't mess around. So listen up. After this issue, things will never be the same at Strange Academy. Seriously, you do not want to miss this issue that is going to destroy you emotionally and destroy the school beyond recognition. Yep, that makes me worried. It says final issue at the end of this. I am nervous, but I really, I trust in these creators. I I love this cast of this team. Um, can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Dark Crisis number two. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Daniel Sampere first issue was great. I didn't know it was going to go the way it's going, but I am very excited to see how Dark Crisis goes. This is issue two of seven, and uh, yeah, let's just dive into the synopsis. The House of Nightwing Burns As the good people of the world mourn the loss of the Justice League, the forces of evil have seized the opportunity to wreak havoc in a world without its heroes. Leading the charge is a super-powered Slade Wilson, but this time there's something dark fueling his rage. With a massive army laying siege to Titan's Tower, only Nightwing will have what it takes to stand in the way of Deathstroke's forces. But is this a fight Dick Grayson can win? Look, up in the sky. Reinforcements are on the way. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's... uh-oh. It's Cyborg Superman. The world burns as Pariah and the Great Darkness make their play for planet Earth in this jaw-dropping second issue. Yeah, that's about as high stakes as you can get. Uh, this is a book to look out for, and Dark Crisis... Had a very strong debut, so I'm hoping that the quality continues here. Speaking of quality, the next book we have is The Amazing Spider Man number five. This is written by Zeb Wells with art by John Romita Jr. Last issue was a doozy of a comic book, and I am so stoked to pick up this next chapter. Let's dive into the synopsis. The end of the first arc of this historic new volume is here, and you won't believe what we're putting the webslinger through. Spider-Man and Tombstone have their most brutal battle ever, but I fear the worst damage to Peter isn't going to be physical. Also, did you notice that this was ASM Legacy 899? That means next issue is... Yeah, I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, The... Peter Tombstone arc has been wonderful. I hope that this book stays here. Not specifically in the battle between Peter and Tombstone though I could read 25 issues of that but that it keeps Peter grounded I love when he goes up against organized crime I love how much that messes with him in his day-to-day life because that's for me when Spider-Man is most interesting when his villains affect his everyday life and those around him so I hope the scale stays around here I do see that Uh, They announced that Dan Slott is returning to Spider-Man alongside Mark Bagley for just Spider-Man. So maybe that book, since it is going to be tying into End of Spider-Verse, can be the more bombastic, you know, world-ending stuff. And hopefully The Amazing Spider-Man can be more street-level. Fingers crossed. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Batman number 125 written by Chip Zdarsky, art by George Jimenez and Belen Ortega. This is the beginning of a brand new era for Batman. The Williamson era has passed. The Zdarsky era has begun. I am super excited about this, not for the least that it's going to be Batman and Robin, specifically my boy Tim Drake. Very excited to pick this up. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis. Failsafe, Part 1. Superstar writer Chip Zdarsky joins legendary artist George Jimenez to define a new era in Batman. Bruce Wayne is at a turning point, haunted by dreams of a dark future, while Gotham City billionaires are being gruesomely murdered. With the discovery of an arch enemy's involvement and a tragedy unfolding, the Dark Knight's nightmares are just beginning. And in the backup, there's chaos in Gotham as the underworld fights over one of its crown jewels and Selina Kyle is caught in the middle. Can she stop the bloodshed and maybe even make a little money in the process? Super excited about this. I hope that means Belen Ortega is, is uh, doing the art for the Catwoman backup. So this book, this single issue has Batman, Tim Drake and Selina Kyle in one book. This is what you need if you are looking for a Batman book or a Bat-Family book. I mean, also read Batman Killing Time, but read this book, Batman specifically. The flagship title feels like a flagship title again with this announcement with the creative team. So I'm hoping they pull this off and that this is the best start possible for a new era of the Cape Crusader. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown. To recap, we've got Batman 89 number 6, Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number 2, Multiversity Teen Justice number two, Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number two, Batman Killing Time number five, Firepower number 22, Strange Academy number 18, the final issue, Dark Crisis number two, The Amazing Spider Man number five, and Batman number 125. This is an all star lineup for comic books this week. So you better make sure you make it to your LCS or you might miss out on some amazing comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises our stock up and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write whatever you want. I will be forced to read it. If you give me that five-star rating and review, the sky is the limit. And you'll be able to join the likes of our Red 13, including Seafire ND, Joshua Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A-Lock and A-Z, sass and jedi jesse 20 i want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews and i cannot wait to hear yours if you want to be part of our geeksplain mailbag if you have a question for me a message for the show maybe some recommendations that we haven't covered on the podcast or you just want to get my thoughts on all of the latest crazy stuff going on in the world of geek culture feel free to email me send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here. Uh, Like our good brother and frequent listener, Gaius McCain, always good to hear from Gaius. He writes, Hi, Eric. Hello. I'm super excited for Stranger Things Season 4, Part 2. I've noticed you never talk about Stranger Things on the podcast, so I wanted to hear your thoughts on this new season. And can you rank all the seasons from worst to best? My ranking currently is Season... From worst to best, he has season three, two, one, four. So his rankings from best to worst are four, one, two, three. I'm loving this new season, but if you haven't watched Stranger Things, then you are missing out love the podcast great job with the intro to days of thunder I love thank you I love that so many people have reached out to tell me how much they like the intro to days of thunder it means a lot to me because I spent a long time on it I've had this visualized in my head for like a year and the fact that people are really liking it it warms my heart I really do appreciate that as for your question stranger things I have not watched the current season yet I'm catching up on a lot of stuff we uh, my partner and I just finished uh, season three Three of Umbrella Academy, absolutely adored it. Um, we love that show unabashedly. We love that show. So I believe Stranger Things is definitely coming up. I just also recently uh, finished watching Winning Time on HBO. We are getting caught up on Our Flag Means Death. So Stranger Things is coming. I need to watch it because I watched the previous three seasons. I really enjoyed them. Um, I don't talk about it a lot, even though it's definitely up my alley. Um, Sci-fi, a little bit of horror, lots of Dungeons & Dragons talk. Uh, If I had to rank them from what I enjoyed, I would go 1-3-2 so far. I still think with how tightly written the first season is, it's the best. I actually really enjoyed the third season and I didn't enjoy season two as much, but I'm hearing a lot of good things about season four and I'm excited to start both parts. So looking forward to that. And uh, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll cover Stranger Things on the podcast at some point. But thank you again, guys, for writing in. It was always great to hear from you. And again, if you, listener, want to have your email read on the podcast send them to geeksplained at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read it here if you want to keep up to date on the podcast participate in polls that decide future episodes or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news feel free to follow us on instagram and twitter uh the at at geeksplained pod that's at geeksplained pod uh I'll be posting up stuff about the episodes about the book clubs on Twitter and Instagram is where you get the teasers every single Friday for what the book club will entail Uh, again a huge shout out to Doug from the for every kind of geek YouTube channel who has been helping tremendously in making those teasers what they are go subscribe to him it's the for every kind of geek YouTube channel he's got amazing stuff on there and uh, he's got something really exciting coming in July it's a video on the Denny O'Neill run for Iron Man. Super excited. Can't wait to watch it and I hope you subscribe to him so that you can watch it too. But yeah, so uh, follow us, Instagram, Twitter, at Pod. That is the place to go. Finally, you heard me just mention it, book club. Every single Friday, we do the Geek Explained book club where I, alongside my fellow Warriors 3, are going through every single issue of every single volume of Jason Aaron's Thor in the lead up to Thor Love and Thunder, we have turned the Geeksplain book club into the Days of Thunder. And this week, we are diving into part five, titled Unworthy. Pairing right alongside Thor Love and Thunder releasing this very week... We're going to be checking out Unworthy Thor, issues 1 through 5. I love this miniseries. It's right smack dab in the saga of the mighty Thor, showing us where the Odinson has been. He runs into Beta Ray Bill. He runs into Thanos. And it is not a good time for some people. But it's a wonderful story written by Jason Aaron, art by Olivier Coppel I love that. Definitely check it out this Friday. Be there or be square, not a circle. And finally, I want to say a huge thank you to Matt for coming on the podcast again and chatting about Superman Kryptonite, chatting about pro wrestling. I hope that that was okay. We love pro wrestling. We talk about it fairly often. Um, So, thank you for indulging us if you are not a fan of pro wrestling. And if you are, I hope that the little mini review of Forbidden Door was for you. But, Again, this episode was our tribute to Tim Sale. Um, Gone too soon. Gone way too soon. But thankfully, his works are going to stick with us and stick with me personally for a very long time. Uh, Once again, subscribe to Matt's YouTube channel. He's wonderful. He does amazing work. As this episode goes live, he is working on a Spider-Man video. I'm going to spoil it here. Um, Just check it out. It's going to be great. So make sure you just subscribe to him. If you're subscribed to me and you love what we do here, you are going to absolutely love the video essays that he puts on. And it's not just comic book videos. He also does stuff on horror. He does stuff on Godzilla. He does stuff on science fiction. Go subscribe to his YouTube channel. He's wonderful. But that does it for this week's episode next week. I'm riding solo again as I go through possibly the final CW Arrowverse power rankings. I'll be talking more about the news on that next week. So tune in for that. Same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for the Geek Explained podcast, I'm Eric Zana. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody stay safe and we will see you next time.